Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Janelli, and I'm really 21, but I was enervated by Bolus when I was resurrected, and now I look 32. Andrew Weissel is ever your thrall. I will, I will serve, but I will fight. The fire burns in my mind. What is that voice? That voice? Be gone, voice of the spirit dragon. Be gone. Man, that guy sounds mad. <laughs> I'm Carrie Thomas, and I was part of the Izzet League, but I'll be retrofitted into Bolas Pots later on. All right, everybody. Welcome today. Uh, our topic today is Nicol Bolas and his schemes over the years. So we're just going to talk about Bolas today. Yeah, so uh, it looks like Core 2019 is going to be the the Bolas plan set. We've got some hints that it might cover his past schemes, and we know there's stories involved... I think by the time you hear this, they'll have announced the author, but by when we're recording it, we don't know yet, so glad y'all, future you, knows all the cool stuff that's happening. Um, So Bola's plans, we might even be seeing things that are going to impact Ravnica later this year in the set, So, so... Bolas's schemes have been going on for more than a, de- a decade now. Even just post-mending story, he started right away in Shards of Alar. So we're over a decade of just build-up of stuff that teams weren't quite sure where it was going yet. And we're finally going to be reaching a point where it all gets tied together. It's very confusing. Even we get confused about this stuff sometimes. So we wanted to dedicate a whole entire extra bonus episode to laying out what the heck Nicol Bolas has done in the multiverse in the order that everything happened to kind of prep you for Core 19. So we should note we're talking about things that we know of right now. There are likely going to be reveals and events, especially around Core 2019 and Ravnica, that were not things we knew about yet. We thought it was best to start with a solid grounding here. Yeah, and we'll keep making episodes, so anything that gets revealed beyond what this episode contains, you know, they're in a Core 2019 story or a future Ravnica story or whatever story, or non-story content, whatever changes or adds to Bolus's plans, we'll talk about it in a future episode. So start here, and hopefully the journey doesn't get too convoluted in the future. We can't wait to find out what's going to happen in Core 2019 with all of you. So let's start at the beginning. So Nickel Bolus is about 30,000 years old. At least. The the first known event he was involved in was the Elder Dragon War, which if you listen to our first couple episodes, we talked about in great detail. So I'm not going to talk too much here. In as much detail as exists about the event, which is almost no details. Basically. <laughs> so there used to be a lot of Elder Dragons. The Elder Dragon War winnowed it down to five Elder Dragons. Nicobolus at some Six. point... Six, you're right. Piru has been confirmed as a Elder Dragon. Thanks, Dominaria. Good work. One solid thing it did for us on continuity there. About negative 15,500 AR, which is the Argivian Reckoning on Dominaria. It's just the easiest time scale to work with here. Because so it's that's... the one that the novels actually use. So it's about 20,000 years ago. Uh, Nicol Bolas on the landmass that would become Madara duels a demonic leviathan. Planeswalker. He, Planeswalker, thank you. He kills it and then feasts on its corpse. The result of this duel is the first time rift on Dominaria. And as Bolas feasts on his fallen foe, he attunes with the rift. And so this becomes a, a place of power for him in the future. And that'll matter again Called later. the Talon Gates. 
the remains of his fallen foe uh, are known as the Talon Gates, correct? It's like the rib cages. So the next time we see Bolas isn't until 3280 AR. So that is about 2,000 years ago, 1,300 years ago. So we skip over a good 1,400 years with Bolas somewhere in there. In any case, uh, I'm sure I'm not mathing correctly, which is why I'm giving you all these dates. You can add and subtract them properly. So in 3280 AR, or roughly 3280 AR, I should note, uh, Nicol Bolas, who has discovered that Azor and Ugin are plotting against him, arrives on Tarkir and kills Ugin. Or so he believes. Kills in quotation marks because some timey-wimey stuff happens with a little dragon fanboy. So Sarkon Vol, who would be one of Bolas's agents in the future, traveled back in time and managed to save Ugin with a piece of the Zendikari Hedron uh, that he transported with him after his time in the Eye of Ugin, which is something that won't happen for a while yet. <laughs> if it's confusing to you, don't worry. It's confusing to everybody. The Kami War happens around the same time. Bolas isn't directly involved, but it has a major effect on his life. In the Kami War, at the end, the Myogen of Night's Reach transports Toshiro Umezawa from Kamigawa to Madera, which is the place we just mentioned where Bolas's seat of power was, where the Talon Gates are, and that rift. And I believe in a recent Magic Story podcast, they mentioned that that rift itself was part of why she could travel through there. It was kind of a planar portal to Kamigawa. Uh, Ethan, Ethan did mention on Twitter afterwards that he was maybe overstepping canon a little bit when he mentioned that, so don't consider the Talon Gates a portal to Kamigawa. Uh, it's a cool but, idea, though. But it is a rift in space-time, and there were effects of the Apocalypse Chime on Gratha that impacted planar bar barriers um so when all is said and done it's it was a very convenient location for the Miosian to bring Toshiro. about 400 years later so we're talking somewhere around 3600 and 3706 ar toshiro's descendant tetsuo umezawa has become the emperor's champion and his job is to essentially uphold the emperor's honor a whole series of events happen. Not just the Emperor, the God Emperor. Correct. Who happens to be Nicol Bolas. Nicol Bolas had come back to Madara sometime in the past and reclaimed it and created his own Empire of Madara. And he ruled as God Emperor, usually through um, Other three people. branches of government. So... Tetsuo was one of those branches which was charged with upholding Bolas's honor, such as it was. One of the branches is a literal assassin, so government here is used pretty loosely. <laughs> so, basically, I'm glad you brought it up. The assassin was a guy named Ramses Overdark, which is a very, very 90s fantasy name. Ramses and Tetsuo were not fans of one another, and due to some rebellions on outlying islands and differences of how to handle those islands, Tetsuo falls out of favor. Ramses is given control over the empire essentially as um, Bolus's regent. Tetsuo kills Ramses and challenges Bolus himself, but tricks Bolus. He has Bolas follow him into the meditation realm, which was this metaphysical, like, astral plane at the time. And what Bolas didn't know is that Tetsuo had cast the Meteor Hammer spell, which basically lifted an entire mountain up and dropped it on Bolas's body in the mortal realm. Not only shattering his body, but breaking his mana bonds that kept him anchored to Dominaria, which is... An important way to kill an old premending planeswalker. Correct. Tetsuo had learned how to enter the meditation realm physically, so he was safely out of the way at that point. 
Bolus's spirit, left without its power or its body, was handily defeated by Tetsuo. Because he has a super awesome sword. Meditation Realm basically collapsed as Bolus threatened Tetsuo's descendants and any future Umazawas. And so Nicol Bolus was dead. End episode. That was easy, guys. Right? Yay! Oh, wait. I'm sorry. So then in 4500 AR, uh, guess who's back? The eldest Everybody is, is reborn. Everybody the time spiral block, Jay. Jeez. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> the eldest reborn. Uh, so Teferi, Joira are joined by a young kind of proto-neo-walker called Venser. Venser is enthralled by Bolus's spirit, who has lingered beyond the rift at the Talon Gates. And he is essentially used as a vessel for Bolus's reincarnation. So Bolus uses Venser's latent spark to pull himself back into reality. He had appeared to Venser as like a disembodied voice called Sensei Ryu. This is the Miracle Max, ah, he's only mostly dead moment. (laughs) So Bolus... Uh, and Teferi have a very short duel, very short because Bolus literally cuts Teferi to ribbons. And Bolus departs, having only murdered one of their party. Teferi gets better. So he goes off and disappears into the multiverse. And we learn that uh, he had mentions later that he went to prepare a place for himself with the coming mending. And we learn that that place was Alara. So he had begun his schemes that we see in the post-mending story even before the mending proper happens yes he he senses that because the mending wasn't just a single kind of on-off switch as rifts closed things started to change and then after the final rift is closed things kind of change gradually i think the implication in later stories is that it happens over a couple weeks And the effects are long-term. Yeah. So, you know, like the actual, the things that change is the effects aren't always felt for years or decades. Right. So Bolas senses this and starts to prepare, like Bolas senses that he's going to lose a lot of his power. So he starts putting plans in motion to preserve that power after the mending happens. But he still has to help the mending a little bit because he is responsible for a time rift in Madara. The first, actually. So part of what Bolas does while he's away in the time spiral story is he hunts down Night's Reach. Night's Reach uh, appears to Leshrac, which is another big bad planeswalker back in the day. And uh, Leshrac ends up dueling with Bolas, not not out of any the kindness of his heart, but he wants to steal Bolas's power. Yeah, <laughs> thanks to being gifted with Knight's Reach's mask. I think that was an important thing to mention, right? <laughs> Leshrac was not a good guy. Uh, Leshrac and Bolas duel across the multiverse. It's a very cool battle. It eventually ends with Bolas revealing he had the real mask of Knight's Reach, and absorbing Leshrac and using Lashrak to seal the Madaran Rift, because Nicol Bolas wasn't into self-sacrifice. Lashrak is supposedly killed. There was an article way back when that mentioned Lashrak is dead. Then we have the Mending. Now, not every... Planeswalkers didn't lose their power all at once. So Bolas, as he realized his power was fading, appears on Amonkhet, and that we see this in a, uh, I think, the first story of Hour of Devastation. Yes, and it, it very specifically says Bolas could feel his power fading, so he had to act violently and quickly, which he doesn't tend to like to do as much. Um, no, so he likes to plot long term. It was I, I really appreciated that the story very consciously called out the metaphysical change that was happening to Bolas uh, right after the ending. So Bolas defeated the gods of Amonkhet, takes three of them, goes to twist them, and for some unknown purpose, kills all the families of everyone, and just leaves these babies, and then twists the remaining five gods to create a, basically a sick tradition where everyone everyone is killed before they're like 20, or by the time they're 20. 
Uh, and what he is really doing is building a zombie factory of perfectly in shape zombies. Uh, the zombies who are not in shape are serving, are, are fulfilling all the needs for the living and also mining Lazatep, which are secretly being used to create an internal army. So this is goal number one. This is the, the first real goal we have for Nicol Bolas in his schemes is to create that army of Eternals. For what purpose? We don't know. We know on Alara, he was looking for straight up power, uh, but we will get to that in just a second. So this is the, while he put the Alara schemes into effect first, this one has more of a concrete goal, I think. So he hides out Watches the effects of the mending. This is from Nickel Bolas Planeswalker from Doug Bayer. It was during the Alara block previews. And for the first time in thousands of years, the clock actually began to tick for Nickel Bolas. So he is feeling the weight of being a 30,000 year old dragon, is the right way to put it. And quote, to resist the force of the multiverse wide mending, altering its spark, he'll need the equivalent of the total potential entire world harvested all at once. Um, and instead he takes five because he's going after the shards of Alara. He starts setting plans in place, um, makes Marisi of the Naya or the wild Nakatl into pretty much ageless slash immortal so that he can set some plans in place there, dividing the groups even further because the more division he has, the more mana will be fueled into the maelstrom. But that's the chronologically the first event that happens and then pass it back to Ravnica for the infinite consortium. So Nicol Bolas at some time, we don't know exactly when, but it was more than 15 years ago, creates the infinite consortium, which is a network of organized crime syndicates on different planes that were connected by planeswalker minions and, you know, Bolas as no longer being omnipotent, this was kind of his arm to build wealth on planes that he could use for other purposes, to steal artifacts and, and devices. I think there's a lot of a lot about mining rights in yeah. this, which in hindsight, obviously that wasn't the plan at the time, but in hindsight, with the Lazatet being mined, one wonders if he was looking for different options for a army. We understood it was Tezzeret searching for Ethereum elements that were going into Ethereum creation, but it wasn't named as like Karma or Sangrite at the time. Um, but specifically, yeah, Bolas is rivaling these mining rights on an unnamed plane, and that is when Jason Tezzeret encounter him on that ice plane and get pretty, pretty destroyed. So in Agents of Artifice, we learn later in a dubiously canonical novel that Tezzeret takes control of the Infinite Consortium about 15 years ago. Uh, he recruits Jace about seven years ago, and that's when the story of the novel Agents of Artifice begins. Jace uh, first encounters Bolas on the ice plane, like Carrie just mentioned, about a little over four years ago. And the torture he receives at Tezzeret Hands afterwards for failing to hold off a 30,000-year-old Elder Dragon is what finally drives him away, really. Although, I don't know why Tezzeret expected a, at the time, like, what was he, like 20? Yeah, he gets tortured with the Mana Blade, and then um, after a few more missions, I believe he does his Interplanar mission to the taking over the church, um, the infinite... No, the Church of the Incarnate Soul. And he attempts to take that over, but decides not to, and spares the leader's life, and returns, and then that's when he talks with Kalist and actually departs the group. So Tezzeret has control of the Consortium, and Bolas wants it back. So this is when we first meet Liliana Vess. Liliana comes to Bolas with a deal. If she... Uh, returns the infinite consortium to him 
he will free her of her demon deals, which is hilarious in hindsight with uh, Dominaria behind us now, because we have learned, and I'm sure this was added later, that Bolas was always in control of those deals. But in hindsight, it looks like just another very, very evil Bolas <laughs> plot. So Liliana attempts to do that, but fails to convince Jace after she does a whole lot of shady betrayals uh, for him to get him to take down Tezzeret. Jace leaves her essentially with nothing, uh, but Bolas is left with his old agent, Tezzeret, who he enervates uh, and revives to be his agent again, and basically becomes his slave once more. I still don't know why he makes Tezzeret older. I, I don't understand it's... why that's a thing. So, so to dive into that a little bit, um, in the old wizard's creative, or the, the old wizard's forums, we had a word of God claim from Brady Dommermuth about Tezzeret being enervated by Nicol Bolas, and that's why he has advanced aging between when we see him on Alara, kind of, and when we see him on New Phyrexia. What that was, that was supposed to be written into the story. It never was. So it was officially kind of stranded on a, this is something we wanted to do, but it didn't happen. So it just looks weird now. And a lot of people have accepted it. Maro has, or Mark Rosewater has reclaimed it kind of in a recent answer regarding Tezzeret's age. And it's in a very, very ambiguous territory as far as canon goes. Well, even, even if it is canon, I don't know what, like, so that's the solution to why Tezra looks older, but I don't understand why that solution makes sense diegetically. <laughs> but why did Bolas need it? Yes, it like um, he was apparently aging at a abnormal rate post mending. He is said to have his age catching up with him at the beginning of the Alara Unbroken model, which was another confusing point because people thought that Planeswalkers' ages were catching up to them when they weren't. It was just apparently Bolas feeling the weight of his age so far. See, this this is like I never mind. It's bad, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very <laughs> sticky situation. For yeah, for what a... for what it's worth, I like that Tezzeret looks older so that we don't have like almost every planeswalker in magic looking like they're twenty five or thirty. That's fair. But I just I just don't get why that has to be a thing. There were a lot of little details like that back in the day that uh, I'm glad kind of were just left on the wayside. Yep. So that brings us to Alara, which was about four years ago, around the same time uh, Jace left the consortium. Some of this was happening in parallel. There were a lot of stories, especially early on, that were happening roughly in parallel with one another or overlapped at certain time periods. So on Modern Alara, we learn, or I should say, on the five shards of Modern Alara, we learn Bolas had essentially created uh, a bunch of organizations to stir up conflict. I think we should start with what is happening on Alara, because we haven't been there in a decade, and a lot of people probably don't know. And if even if you do know, maybe you need a refresher, because this was in a novel, and you might not have gotten this from the cards. So a long time before the modern day, Alara had been drained of its mana by a planeswalker. I think that was the official version we got. It appears yes. in like two places. Uh, very minor note in both because it wasn't it wasn't the point. Uh, and it split into the five shards, which are aligned with three allied colors, uh, or an arc of three allied colors, I believe is the better way to put it. Bolas knew that those five shards would be uh, returning to one another soon, and that if he generated the appropriate amount of conflict, he could get uh, a giant hamburger helper helping of mana <laughs> for him to <laughs> just consume yeah. and re yeah for him to crunch uh, to for him to get back a bunch of his old power. Yeah. So what he did was he installed. Uh, puppets on all of the shards in order to uncover the uh the various mana obelisks on each to free up the ley lines and then 
uh, afterwards to generate conflict between all these uh, planes, all, all these sh- former shards, uh, to create a magical vortex called the Conflux. The Maelstrom. But yeah. The Maelstrom, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Conflux <laughs> is the, conflux, the, yeah. the, the yeah. recombination of the shards. So he created the the Seekers of Karmat on Esper, which claimed to have the secret of creating more Ethereum, which was the very valuable metal that everyone is laced with on the on that shard. Uh, he beat Malfagor into submission, who was the big bad demon of Alaran mythology, and who dragon. ruled on Grixis. Uh, he was a demon it's dragon. A demon correct. dragon. Bolas did not like him because of that. Yeah, you know, he seems fine with demons, but the demon dragon he viewed as an abomination. Have you seen Malfagor? Dude is definitely an abomination. Malfagor is like a weird, he's like a demon centaur. He's, 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 he's like a demon dragon centaur. It's, it's weird. Yeah. He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he created the Skyward Eye on Bant, which was a religious order that actually covered up the true history of the plane and try basically sewed a lot into of religious scripture. Yeah, sowed a lot of xenophobia into the religious scriptures for when the conflux came. And then the conflux happened and everyone was at war. But Bol one thing happened that Bolus didn't count on. Or maybe he did actually, but it's difficult to say, yeah. Enter Ajani Goldmane. So Ajani's brother Jazal was killed because he was investigating essentially a path that would have led him to the truth of what Bolas was going on, getting up to on the plane. And Ajani went on a quest for vengeance, hence Ajani Vengeant. And he kind of, if you ever read the comic book, uh, a comic book about Brother Voodoo or Dr. Voodoo, it was kind of like that where Ajani was the hero, but uh, his brother Jazal's spirit kept appearing to him and like trying to guide him on his quest. And it ends finally with Ajani deciding the fate of the plane was more important than his vengeance. And he goes after Bolas, but Bolas wins, basically. Bolas consumes the maelstrom, but when Ajani, and basically just beats the snot out of Ajani, Ajani notices that there's just a sliver of power remaining, grabs it, and uses it to create... (sighs) I don't exactly know what he created. It is it's like a officially called an avatar. Of okay, so so he so what, that mirrors him in combat. So so what's interesting? This is this is specifically a Johnny's power set. Like the type of magic he can do is that he can look into people's souls, understand the the core essence of their being, and draw that power out of them. The double and the original go at it. And Bolas essentially leaves the plane, never to return. He got what he wanted, uh, and Ajani drove him off because once Bolas got what he wanted, he wanted to test his new power by destroying Alara. So Bolas still got the power he wanted, but he was prevented from destroying Alara. And then Ajani becomes the Ajani we know today. And part of what he does from then on is try and figure out what Bolas is up to to try and stop him. That brings us to Zendikar, which is about three years ago. Can I talk about the Dragon Squirrel? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so, in what is probably the most complex and convoluted chapter of <laughs> Bolus's plans with the most minimal payoff, he orchestrates um, both Jace and Chandra to kind of hunt down this item called the Dragon Scroll which is kept in a museum on the the Kefali. Yeah, which I can never pronounce. Thank you. Um, Kefali. <laughs> so he he works through a minion called Ramaz to convince Chandra that she needs to go steal the scroll from this museum. And she does. And then it's, it's kind of hazy how he, he influences Jace through maybe... He says he took his chances on him. Yeah. Um, which, which is... Which is kind of kind of the the bolus ideology is if if you get the odds good enough and enact enough arms that all have good enough odds of success, you'll succeed no matter what, and it'll be a much harder to stop. So there's a lot of rolling the dice, but in a very strategically sound way in bolus plots. 
So, so, so real quick, there's some weird timeline stuff here because you're you both just talked about two different points in the timeline. So there is the point after Chandra steals the scroll that Jace goes to recover it. He's hired, or the Infinite Consortium is hired by the Kephali, whatever Sanctum the leader of is. Stars. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and goes and recovers it. Neither of them actually track down the secrets of the scroll until like about a year or so later, right, which is when we enter Zendikar. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. So, so Chandra steals this dragon scroll and nobody can read it. And she takes it back to Ragatha where Mother Luti, a.k.a. Jaya Ballard, has monks <laughs> copying it down. Um, and Jace discovers what it looks like and has kind of an illusion copy back in his sanctum on Ravnica. And Garrick pops in in a totally tangential plot thread and tells Jace, hey, by the way, that thing you're looking at is a map to this plane called Zendikar. And Jaya... This is where all the purifying fire stuff happens. Jace ends up taking the scroll back. Scrolls return. Chandra doesn't follow up on the thread until the full end of the purifying fire, in which she hunts down Ramaz and kind of figures out that she was manipulated into taking the scroll. Um, but during that time and after the events of the Purifying Fire, she is led to Zendikar, um, and Gideon follows her. So Sarkin, Jace, and Chandra end up at the Eye of Ugin, yes. unlock the S- Eye of Sarkin, Ugin. at this point, by the way, um, is a minion of Bolas. They met on Alara, and Sarkin did some stuff for Bolas there, but now he's stationed Sarkin Vol in the Eye of Ugin and pretty much tells him to kill anyone who tries to show up. Sarkin goes a little mad waiting there. Voices start talking to him. Because of Ugin, sort of. So Bolas needs three planeswalkers to unlock the Eye, according to information that he pulled out of Ugin's mind when he defeated him on Tarkir. Instead of sending Ramaz and Chandra and Sarkin, he sends Ramaz to bait Chandra. Then he gets Chandra to go there and sends Sarkin there and hopes that Jace will be there. And is also rebuilding Tezzeret, another planeswalker who could just stop by there. Um, it's generous. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's the- to, to be fair, one piece of the puzzle to unlock the Eye of Ugin, is that someone needs to cast Ghost Fire, which is Ugin's signature magic, which Chandra learns from the Dragon Scroll. So he right. ne- he needs a... At minimum, he needs a Pyromancer. He could have still sent Ramaz or anybody, yeah. really. <laughs> so I Ralzeric. think it's important to note here that I doubt there was a grander plan involved. It was really, at the time, Bolas was behind basically everything and they needed an excuse to get all these planeswalkers uh, here sarkon vol there yeah. yeah and so it was a bolus plot his goal we didn't learn for like a decade and then it pops up in was it an art book it was in the art Do either book. of yes. you remember in yes, the art book they finally tell us the battle for zendikar art book yeah. they finally tell us why bolus orchestrated the release of the eldrazi and the answer well, was basically I, I guess you, you kind of skipped us so Oh, I'm sorry. Jay Chandra and Sarkin fight in the Eye of Ugin. Chandra casts Ghost Fire. It unlocks um, the main release. Eldrazi spawns start pouring out into Zendikar, and Nissa ends up releasing the Titans because she does a dumb thing. Separately. That's like yeah. months later. Yeah. So, what is the payoff for this really convoluted Bolas plot? He just wanted this huge multiversal threat to appear to see who would come. To try and stop it. <laughs> That's literally it. Um, though, I think this is actually making more sense with where we think this is going with the Immortal mm. Sun, which we'll get to later. Um, so I'm going to loop back to this later in yeah. this episode. So we'll, let's we'll go. speculate on the end on what we think the grand plan is, but I think I know where you're going with that, Andrew. So then is the very, very questionably canonical test of metal. I don't even know why this is in the notes. I should have deleted this instead of jokingly (laughs) typing goat balls. (laughs) Which, if you've read Test of Metal, you'll get because 
<laughs> so test of metal basically bolus wants the secret of ethereum his first mission for the revived tezzeret is to go track down crucius the mad and find it they end up in this pocket plane there's all this nonsense going on no one ends up with anything tezzeret ends up getting sent to mirrodin that's basically it it is the worst ending where everything ends up just exactly as it started even even though there was a whole culmination where Bolas was defeated. Bolas isn't defeated, Tezzeret's still his pawn. Jace and other people are pretty much mind-wiped to an earlier state. Yeah, clockworking. Yeah. There was a power called clockworking, which allowed people to bring in people from other timelines, essentially. It is. And, good. yeah. Don't consider Test of Metal canon, please. There, there may be elements of what happens that may have actually become canon at some point later in the story. But Word of God was that Tezzeret retained his ability to make Ethereum, which we see later in yes. him making the Ethereum cells, but that's really it. So basically, when it comes to Test of Metal, trust the Word of God stuff, not the stuff that's actually in the book, which, which is like <laughs> the absolute absolute ass backwards way that you should usually approach canon but test of metal is a very special circumstance they went through extra loops to specifically make sure that most of the plot of the novel was not possible because jace hadn't known tesseret was alive during kaladesh kaladesh (laughs) jason liliana hadn't met since catching up sometimes retcons make good things happen in your story and a good thing is ensuring that a lot of the stuff that happened in test of metal couldn't have actually happened and is thus <laughs> but the one thing that did get quietly extremely quietly reconfirmed is that most of tezzeret's origin story basically the first chapter of the book is reconfirmed via um tezzeret's planeswalker deck little intro blurb um that came along in aether revolt i believe but it it basically reconfirmed very very minor elements that were exclusive to test of metals one chapter of tezzeret's origins so for all intents and purposes we think that's accurate but again there's been no say either way his childhood as a tight hollow scrapper yeah Yeah, tezzeret's tezzeret's childhood sucked like big time not the worst childhood in the in the multiverse, but it's 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 close. So Test of Metal was also kind of within a few months almost retconned with the comic Dark Discoveries, which shows Bolus cajoling him into going to Mirrodin. Also has the Bolus imps, which are I hope are appear somewhere else in the story one day. <laughs> oh yeah, the little Bolus imps. That Tezzeret keeps killing his little messengers. They're great. They're like tubby they're like tubby little chibi boluses that appear to Tezzeret to tell him like, hey, go to Mirrodin, go to Mirrodin, go to Mirrodin. And Tezzeret just keeps killing them and killing them and killing them. That's great. Because they kept they keep interrupting yeah. his like operations. <laughs> so Scars of Mirrodin. Tezzeret gets sent there, uh gets sent to Mirrodin to spy on New Phyrexia. That's all we're really given for why he's there. He's given like an inoculation that'll prevent the um, uh, the, the glistening oil from corrupting him. And then when we see him in the novel, the the aggressively bad novel, The Quest for Karn, he helps Elspeth and Koth and Venser out on several occasions. And he's kind of vying for leadership with the Praetors. And it's not really clear what he's after in in this. It's not really clear what Bolus was after by sending him there. I think Tezzeret was trying to see if he could leverage New Phyrexia as something he could use. But Bolus, Bolus's plans, a st- the stated goal and the stated mission for Tezzeret was to observe and report, essentially. Yeah, make sure that they weren't growing into too unwieldy of a threat so i know what i think he was supposed to be after there and we can talk about that in a moment uh when we get to our our speculation about what bolus is up to that basically did it for for mirrodin tezzeret was forced to leave uh when all the praetors got together 
And this is all confirmed weirdly in Theros block, where Elspeth writes a letter to Ajani that she then like throws into a swamp or something. I don't remember what it is, but it's basically a info dump to us to explain the gap between Scars of Mirrodin and Theros block, where she was forced to leave by Koth and Tezzeret was forced to leave or they believed uh, the Praetors were going to kill him. And yeah, since he's he still was, alive, they obviously didn't. Despite him playing both sides and seemingly antagonizing um, Geth and Glissa at every opportunity, and they knew that he was a Bolas pawn on the plane, it was he was still invited to the big shindig where they were naming the new father of machines, and we then he's whisked He's whisked away to a far corner of the multiverse, according to checking in, and we later see him pop up on Kaladesh. So, so let's let's jump to Kaladesh. So let's rattle off these last three pretty quickly, because these will be familiar to most people at yeah. this yeah. point. So in the last, I think these are all in, within the last year. Heck, most of these are within the last few months. So on Kaladesh, uh, Tezzer is once again charged by Nicol Bolas to kind of infiltrate the consulate and get all the inventors inventing and latches onto this one invention by Rushmi called the Planar Bridge, which is a portal. All portals after the mending closed, but this is the first new portal we've seen. And it can only transfer inorganic matter from one plane to another or from a location on one plane to another location on that plane. Tezzeret builds a huge version of it that the Gatewatch destroys, but the important part that makes the whole darn thing work, Tezzer implants into his mechanical arm. So he is now the planar bridge. Oh, good call. Which is yes. maybe not Bolas's intent. Yes, and he tries to make, or seemingly tries to make Bolas aware of this later on, and doesn't succeed. So as far as Bolas knows, Tezzer has a planar bridge and is not the planar bridge. Yep. But uh, he does let it slip that Bolas has some schemes going on on this plane called Amonkhet. So the Gatewatch heads there, and uh, as we talked about earlier, this is where Bolas has had a zombie army factory for 60 years, and now that he has the planar bridge, he has... Uh, Bolas shows up as his grand return uh, as the god pharaoh, uh, unleashes those three gods he twisted, which are the scorpion god, the scarab god, and the locust god, slaughters almost everybody in the city of Noctamun, engages the Gatewatch in combat, easily defeats them, which he was relishing and planning on the whole time, and then claims his eternal army, which he, he gets goal success. But Jace is sent off to this backwater plane called Ixalan, which is the crux of Ugin and Azor's plan to kill Bolas way back when. They were going to take Azor's spark, put it into this artifact called the Immortal Sun, use it to extend Azor's hieromancy across the multiverse to Tarkir, where Ugin was going to lure Bolas, drag Bolas to Ixalan, where the Immortal Sun would prevent him from planeswalking away, and then either keep him in prison there for all eternity or try and kill him in some fashion. And then they're going to totally get back Azor's spark, yes, right? The the plan was to <laughs> take Azor's spark out of the Immortal Sun and give it back, but, uh... <laughs> Lol, that didn't work. Um, none I'm of somehow doubting that was ever Ugin's plan. Yeah. Mostly because he's Ugin. Well, who knows? <laughs> uh, we'll never know because none of that happened. Um, but Bolas did find out about what the Immortal Sun does and that it can trap planeswalkers on a plane. And he sends Vraska there. Um she doesn't know who he is. She's never met him before. So she just thinks, hey, this is a guy who thinks I'm really good at stuff that isn't just assassin work. So this is great. Great opportunity for me. He's going to give me the Golgari Guild when I get his little mission complete. So she ends up meeting Jace there, unknown to Bolas. And Jace gets his memories back and fills Raska in on Bolas's deceit. And at the end of the day, uh, Tezzeret shows up with a planar bridge and takes the Immortal Sun. Bolas wins again. And then we just had Dominaria happen, where it looks like the final stage in Bolas's plan was to finally get a necromancer on his side of the war that he 
plans on starting somewhere with this zombie army. Um, Liliana kills her final demon, Belzenlock, the, uh, you know, the demons that Bolas set her up with in the first place. And uh, with all four demons dead, her contract defaults to Bolas. And what we learn is that if Liliana disobeys the contract, she gets killed instantly. So, pretty big incentive to do Bolas's bidding, which is exactly what Bolas wants. Uh, we also learn along the way that Ral Zarek is working for Bolas, probably something to do with Project Lightning Bug, which was a planeswalker tracking thing that Ral continued working on. I talked about this a lot in uh, Ral Zarek and the Elder Dragon, which was my first article for Gathering Magic. So we'll link to that because that gets into it a great deal. Mm-hmm. Vraska, in order to find the Immortal Sun, has a compass that seems to work a lot like the Project Lightning Bug. Yeah, we suspect so... Rao made it the thematic compass. So that's a cool connection. Right. So so that's where we are now. And we know that uh, Jace learns that Bolus's ultimate plans are going to go down on Ravnica, which is where we're heading in the fall. And we have this mysterious third set. What could it be about? <laughs> it's probably going to be about everything going perfectly fine and nothing happening. It's going to be a, a set about the guildless on Ravnica. Oh, finally. <laughs> finally getting that closure. So do you want to talk about what Bolus knows at this point, Carrie? Yeah, it's not exactly what Bolas knows, but what Bolas has known, which is part of the kind of barrier for a lot of the believability of this. The truth is that this has been developed over many, many regimes and many, many writers and many, many years. Um, but when you get down to it, Bolas has to know that the mending was coming somehow, despite being revived literal days before, if that. We also know that Bolas is pretty much on the spot able to come up with this eternal army plan, believing that he will have a planar portal to transport them in the future. He somehow knows that Ixalan and Ixalan's immortal son are inaccessible, despite nobody being able to leave the plane. And it just comes down to it. He has to know that the lock on the Eldrazi prison has two, or has a failsafe, and that failsafe also has to break. So he lucks into Jace Balaren coming there, and he also lucks into Nyssa and Sorin going there, and Nyssa betraying Sorin and unlocking the prison to release the Eldrazi in the first place. There are just many, many background details that need to be filled in or just kind of taken as Bolas knows all for this to work out as a coherent plan. And that's something I don't appreciate about it, but in truth, I'm just happy to see it wrapped up because it was never my favorite plot thread anyways or my favorite story arc. I think creative is, at least the creative team from Magical Origins on who had orchestrated this whole arc as we're seeing it now. I think they're doing the best they can do with what they were given. And I think I think they were given unideal stipulations from the previous chunk of time, but I think they're tying it up nice cuz like like I said, why would Bolas release the Eldrazi just to see who would come and fight them? Well, he has an artifact that traps planeswalkers on a plane. If you're I, like, Bolas knows that he's the big bad guy in the multiverse. The, the one thing that could stand in his way would be something like a Gatewatch, a big group of heroic planeswalkers. That's something that he would probably want to know about. So it's A, good information for him to scout out, well, who am I probably going to be fighting when my whole plan goes down? And B, it lets him focus on who do I need to kill or stop or impede before then so it worked out to be a thing that was okay for his plan it's still pretty weak of a resolution to his plot on Zendikar but okay I think that's a reasonable explanation for that whole event 
Yeah, my my headcanon for it is that he Bolas has plans everywhere, and he's just we're just seeing him picking up the threads of the ones that are actually working. So yeah. I mentioned before I would talk about what I think he uh, Tezzeret was sent to Mirrodin for, and I think the answer there is Mirrodin had interplanar technology, and I think the reason Tezzeret was sent from Mirrodin and then to Kaladesh is because Tezzeret was a technology guy and he yeah. was being sent to planes where planar portals for whatever reason might be a possibility. Yeah. But even that is difficult for the meta context of the story. We knew that Tezzeret was being sent to New Phyrexia and interacting with Geth and Glissa, but never interacting with the Praetors and Jin Gitaxius was the one who actually yeah. went the extra mile to try to um, reverse engineer that technology that Memnarch had created. So, and, and some of these problems are definitely because of things like Scars of Mirrodin's story being all scrambled up yeah. from its original plan. Uh, I'm not sure how much we can say the current team was just given, though, because back in Zendikar, I mean, the people writing these stories were the same people who are in charge now. It was yeah. Doug and Jenna, so... As amazing as things like the Jaya reveal were, we also have to say like some of this bolus stuff has not been great. Yeah, and I that's my point is that I don't believe that mastermind villains like this have a place in magic story unless it is within the narrative design time frame that these people will be operating in. Bolas just kind of having loose threads created and saying someone's going to catch that past in the future is... Not, not an effective <laughs> way of doing things. Nope. That, that's my main criticism of the way Brady ran creative when he was in charge, is that pretty much every block had stuff like that. I mean, that's that's the rise of the Eldrazi problem. That was because yep. Brady said, you know, threw a football into the air and said, well, I hope someone catches this one day without leaving a yeah. whole lot of actual narrative details about but do you think if Nick Kelman came on two years earlier that the Bolas plot could have shifted any further from what it is right now? I mean, that's, that's the that's the dish issue is that when right. you bring on new team members, it's magic is going to cycle through creatives. That's not really arguable at this point, despite how much we get sold on one single creative every few years. It's difficult to really think like, oh, this isn't going to be upturned and replaced by somebody else who will take the good bits that they like and kind of piece those together into something that they want to see or that they think will be satisfying to the fans versus what the original intention was. And that's where I don't think Mastermind villains have a place in Magic. Magic's plot and continuity is definitely a patchwork quilt, and it <laughs> needs to be written with It that is one mind. that I love, yeah. You know, in the last, I would say in the last six or five or six years, they've done a really good job of leaving those pieces open that it's a easy catch for future teams to, yes. to be able to work on things. Whereas, you know, rather than setting up a mystery like why did Bolas unleash the Eldrazi and they're not really being a good answer for that. And we just have to make something up or come up with something hide it away in an art book years later <laughs> and just hope no one asks about it again, you know? Yeah. It is not an ideal way to create stories, but like I said, I, I, I think this team has done the best they could do with the unfortunate starting position that they were in. Cause, cause like the other, the other option is to just ignore all that old stuff and just never have any resolutions. And that's, just as unsatisfying, I think. Maybe even probably. <laughs> worse. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. But I do agree. I'm I'm ready to be done with Nicol Bolas. So I'm very excited to see this arc done and complete and finished. I have definitely reacquired my Bolas fatigue that I had five or six years ago <laughs> when he disappeared from the story for a while and we got a breather. So anyway, let's talk what Bolas's plan might be. So the planar bridge... Is it just, we've only seen it used for one thing so far, which was transporting the immortal sun off of Ixalan. 
I think our original thought for it was that it was also meant to be used to transport the Eternal Army. What do you think, Carrie? There's no good in... We know that he's not baiting people to Amonkhet with the Immortal Sun. We know that he's baiting people to Ravnica with the Immortal Sun. So it's obviously going to be thrown through their, their inorganic matter or unlife matter, which was the stipulation stated in the art book. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm fine with it. We should also note that it has the ability to get through the immortal sun, its effect, because yes. it got, was able to be picked up from Ixalan. So that's a that's a that's probably an important metaphysical note. Yeah, not on an entirely serious note, but how did he pick it up? Because it magic. was like, yeah, exactly, magic. <laughs> you just uh, kind of see it opening. The above spell there, Vraska then... was asked to cast probably gave like coordinates or something. Who knows? Slight. Yeah. Yeah. Just just <laughs> don't think too hard about it. Well, and it, it is it is a good point that it works through the Immortal Sun's barrier. Because if Nicol Bolas wants to lure planeswalkers to a plane with the Immortal Sun on it, he would probably like to leave sometime. Yeah. <laughs> they needed um, to be Titan-sized or, what Gear was Hulk it? Gearhulk-sized. Yeah. Gearhulk-sized, yes. Which Bolas certainly correct. is. Um, and obviously, if you're a planeswalker, your organic matter can pass through the Blind Eternities just fine. So it should be okay for regular planeswalkers to pass through the Plane of Bridge. That's an interesting point. I wonder if it will be. So let's also talk about the Immortal Sun itself. So it has two properties we know about. it, Or three, I should say. It traps planeswalkers. It has some sort of spark transferal properties, because Azor's spark gets placed inside it. And we know it could have been taken back out. And it grants, that's right, and it grants old walker-like powers to whoever's standing on it. Sounds like a bad combination for any kind of fight against Bolas. I wonder which of those in particular are the most important for his plan, though. The trapping planeswalker bit is the part that made it to the cards, so that's obviously going to be important. I don't think the spark transfer is going to be important. I think it's an interesting trend that we're seeing, um, as we have stated before, between Tefiri and the Immortal Sun, both just kind of transferring sparks within the recent few blocks. But yeah, I think trapping planeswalkers and amplifying power are much more useful. And then the Gatewatch is, as we've mentioned, part of his plan. They are the see what happens when he released the Eldrazi. And we know from Belzenlock that Bolas has greater plans for the Gatewatch. So obviously that factors in somehow. He's probably counting on them coming to Ravnica. I don't know how he think he would think they would know, but then again, the Gatewatch is headquartered on Ravnica, so that might be why he's looking at it anyway. Well, he also, one of his minions is Ral Zarek, who has connections with the Gatewatch, so... And also, Ral Zarek developed a device that would track who, how many planeswalkers are on Ravnica at one time, or could track that. Yeah. So that's, a, that's another interesting twist there. And then he claimed Liliana, which I assume we're all in agreement is to lead the Eternals, because, like, why else would he need a necromancer? This was my biggest stipulation with the, well, the biggest reason why we thought that, I thought at least, that Nicol Bolas would need Liliana as a servant before he got the Eternals off the plane, was that the Curse of Wandering seems to be something very, very unique to Amonkhet, and I don't think it's, like, imbued in the zombies. So she might actually need to lead those forces. I'm not going to go full like they'll be imbued with Anaki souls or anything, but we do know that there's an Onaki card in M19, so who knows? Yeah, and the Chain Veil connection is also weird there. <laughs> like, is the Chain Veil deliberate? We know One he tracked her. Find it. The Chain Veil <laughs> connection. connection. <laughs> Liam Duel. Onaki and me. So that's a bit we f- we forgot to mention is that Sarkon Val was sent to track Liliana after she found the Chain Veil. So obviously it mattered to Bolas that he recovered it, that she recovered it, I mean. So I wonder if there's some, if the resolution of the Chain Veil plot ties into Bolas's plans. It would be interesting if it was somehow the bridge between both Bolas's plan and Lim Duel's or Raven Man's um I forget his real name. Raven Man's. 
<laughs> connection to Liliana. I appreciate that you just think of him as Limdul now and forgot I, that he was I'm the Raven. Fully on, I'm fully on the train at this we've, point. We've been fully on the whole time. It's If it's not Limdul, um, it's going to be really hard to think about the Raven Man as somebody else. It would be very strange, yes. Um, one last note that I would like to bring up in the speculation is that Jace's alerting of the Gatewatch so that they were walking into a track or walking into a trap on Ravnica conveniently omitted a Johnny who had left at the beginning of Dominaria block to go grab even more planeswalkers because he was down three at that point. So yeah, a Johnny's just going to drag a whole bunch of people to Ravnica, it seems, and have no idea that this is part of a Bolas scheme. If he even does that. We have we have seen Ojani go off once between the events of, albeit it was like about a week, but we have seen Ojani depart, say he was going to grab Planeswalkers, and then he just kind of comes up on Dominari and he's like, eh, it's just you guys. Well, guess I need to grab even more Planeswalkers. And it's like, you grabbed nobody. <laughs> any number is going to be greater than one. Well, any positive integer is going to be greater than one. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'm sure whenever a Johnny comes back, it'll be randomly and a surpri- as a surprise. I hope it's not another Gideon or Nissa where they went off for how many years trying to find help for Zendikar, trying to recruit other planeswalkers, and then they just kind of come back and like Gideon grabs Jace at the last moment, tries to grab Chandra, Chandra doesn't come, that's Wouldn't it. that be great if the third set was a Johnny showing up with reinforcements and whatever Bolas was doing is already done? Yeah, so like we suck. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to like, he has to figure out what happened to Jace and the others? Yeah, we'll see. That was just a random thought. In any case, uh, I think we've gone on long enough. So final thoughts, Andrew. This was a long episode. They're all long episodes. I don't have a lot of final thoughts. I said them during the episode. Carrie, final thoughts. I'm excited for Bolas to be done. Yeah. That's all. This plot has gone on a long time. Hopefully they send them out in style. Yeah, that's all I'm looking forward to. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.